Hi, yeah, it's Fiona here. So this is an episode that we recorded a very long time ago, and seeing how Mark and I are trying to get this train wreck back on its tracks, I decided to put it out anyway. <laughs> um, it's in fact so old that we talk about a company that's already gone under, and we talk a lot about Star Trek Enterprise, but Star Trek Discovery hadn't even started yet. So that's a whole lot of fun. Oh, on that note, there is a bunch of spoilers for Enterprise in this, so if you really care about Enterprise being spoiled, then there's that. So, yeah, enjoy! Welcome to the third relaunch of the podcast that time forgot. Wait, how, how, why is this a third relaunch? Wait, no, it's the second relaunch, because I've launched it once, and then doing another relaunch, and then this is a relaunch. Okay, okay. Because it, there was so long between the last episode and this episode, I'm pretending... Maybe just don't call it a relaunch? Maybe just don't signpost the fact that you've missed a week? It's more than one week, it's like two weeks. So I should probably write all the episode numbers as just question mark, question mark, like Mega Man years. Yeah, 19XDX. But I had to uh, be nurse, and the house was quarantined I was for a while. Man. You were ill too. Well, man flu. It's not real illness, is it, Mark? So. Flush. I'm going to edit in a flush sound. <laughs> it's the Internet of Things Watch. <gasps> Because last week we last week, <laughs> because b- back yonder we talked about the Internet of Things, and immediately after we talked about them, the most amazing Internet of Things thing happened, and okay. I really wanted to talk the about it. The most amazing Internet of Thing. Now I'm sure pretty much everybody is aware of this, but I just wanted to talk about it anyway because okay. it just angers me so much. The Juicero. No, I actually don't know what this is, so... Do you really not? No, I really don't. This, oh, right, is, this okay. is new to me. Okay, okay. I want to sell you a juice machine. Okay, yeah. I, I like juice. Okay, it costs $400. Now, I don't like juice that much. It costs $400, and it looks like if the 2001 monolith was designed by Apple. Okay, okay. And in this juice machine, I you place bags... And these bags you purchase... Fr- Apple should totally make a juice machine. <laughs> they should. Just, just, that just presses apples. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like they've been searching for their real calling all this time. <laughs> so, None of this computer nonsense. So Go on. You've purchased, Do continue. You've purchased a juice area from me for $400. But you need to put bags in this to press juice. But not just any bags. Bags that you purchase from me. And they cost you $10 each. Oh, like the... Like the um, What's it called? The the coffee machine. Yeah, yeah, but the difference between like the Keurigs and the Nespresso things. Nespresso, that's what I'm thinking of. Is that you can just go into a shop and buy those, but you must already own a Juicero before you're allowed to purchase Juicero bags from me. What? Wait, why? I don't know why. But you place those bags into the machine, you close the thing, or and you you download the app on your phone. Okay. And you use your phone to press a button. Yeah. On the machine to produce your... Th- Wait, the internet just went down, Mark. That means you can't juice your juicy. Wait, what? <laughs> you can't juice... You- okay, but, sorry. There's so many questions here. I'm not finished. <laughs> Mark, one of, one of the amazing features of this bag is that there is a little QR code on it. And we have a QR code reader built into the machine. And okay. when the QR code reader reads the QR code, if your bag of juice is out of date by, oh, even a single second, the juice machine will refuse to press the juice <laughs> Oh, my word. But I'm not done yet. This... Oh, wow. This is, this is such... Yeah. I'm not done yet. Okay. These bags of juice, you can get a cup and get the bags of juice and crush them with your hands and it cr- you can crush the s- and squeeze the juice out faster than the machine will <laughs> so what what's in the bags just just mulched up fruit and and vegetables so it's like sort of half squeezed yeah. fruit yeah in a bag yeah 
And then the juice machine is just a press. Why not just put the juice in the bag? Buy a bottle of juice. Just anything other than this. It's like this big as well. You can't see what I'm doing, obviously, but I don't know. It's the You're size of a, the size of. A, it's of the a, size of a small dog. Yeah, Jack Russell Terrier. <laughs> yeah, like that. it's quite thin, I guess, but still, I don't care. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's Bluetooth enabled and internet enabled. It requires an internet connection before it will squeeze a bag of juice. The bags of juice can be squoze by your own hands. You can only purchase them if you've purchased the machine. The machine costs $400, knocked down, by the way, from $700. (laughs) I don't even know where to begin with this. And the QR code is the best part. The fact that if it's out of date by even a second... It'll just go, nah, nah, you ain't drinking juice today, buddy. <laughs> okay, what, Okay. so why, why does it have to connect to the internet? What 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 reason do, does it give for connecting to the internet? I have no idea. Right. I don't think it does. Because, it doesn't even pretend to have a reason to. No, I mean, one of the things it does is uh, when it reads the QR code, like each bag has an individual serial number. And so this <laughs> QR code, when it reads it, on your phone, it will tell you, like, the individual farm that the fruit and vegetables oh, came from. Please. You know, things that nobody ever needs to know, ever, And could ever. just be written on it anyway. Exactly. I don't get it. I don't you don't understand. have to get it. It's just nonsense. I think what's happened is that someone looked at those coffee machines and thought, hmm... But what about that for juice? Mm. And what if it was a smart device? Yeah. And probably went to get some... And what if I could track every ju- every <laughs> glass of juice that everybody ever drinks? Yeah, it's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that that's into the territory of the, the, the manufacturer wants control over whether you actually consume the products or not, which, I don't know... That... Well, I do know. I mean... That's it's, horrible. They like, it's like they're trying to be all... Ooh, we're trying to save you from yourself, but fuck that. If it's out of date and you don't want us to drink it, you might pop up on the screen saying, it's bags a day out of date. Mm. Or don't have a screen. You just need a fucking button. Just, just, I mean, it's quite annoying that this story broke, like, almost immediately after the last episode of Rainbow Drops. (laughs) Because it perfectly encapsulates everything I hate about, about it. Yeah. Well, me, me too. I mean, the thing is, at least this machine is obviously shit, and nobody's yeah. going to spend $400 on a machine that does what you can do with your own fist. Yeah, but people only know that you can do it with your own fist, because places like ours, Technica, and that have reported on it. Right. The thing is, you can you can see other products in the future that aren't so ridiculous. Yeah that also stop you from using your own thing that you bought. But I can totally see idiots buying it, like, juicing as a fad, and and, and people will spend hundreds of dollars to be at the forefront of this fad, and it's like, I have the most technologically advanced juicer on the planet. People, you know thousands of people are going to spend their hard-earned dollars on that. Yeah, you put the word smart before anything and people will buy it. Yeah, as stupid as they can be. <laughs> The stupider they are, the smarter the products they buy. Ridiculous juice machines have been around for a long time, haven't they? Mm-hmm. they, they I mean, you used to see you see you see them on QVC all the time. Like this amazing juicer that collects all of the crap in the back and make it into a pasta sauce, or you know, don't. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the kind of thing where you it, it looks great on the shopping channel, and then you realise that it's. Massively all engineered, and you have to clean it all the time. And I mean, the good thing about the Juice Aero is that I don't think it's over-engineered. It just pushes a bag. That's not very over-engineered, is it, really? Considering it's the size of a small dog, it sounds like it might be. <laughs> I mean, it has, like, how many moving parts are in this thing? There's a QR code reader. There's a... It has a connection to the internet. Mm. It obviously has a tiny computer in it, and it has a press. Yeah. That's all it does. Yeah. Literally all it does. Yeah, that's all a juicer needs to do. It just mm-hmm. needs to squeeze. Yeah, well, I won't be buying one. No. And from the awfulness of the Juicero, I'm going to go on to the ridiculousness. Oh, there's a, this is a double internet of things. Well, this is kind of a cheat because this doesn't have the internet, really. Okay. But um, it's smalt. Which... What? what what's smalt? <laughs> smalt is a portmanteau. Is that the right word? I believe so. 
Thank you. <laughs> Smalt is a portmanteau of smart salt. <laughs> a Bluetooth-enabled salt shaker. No, that can't be real. <laughs> okay, I'm that gonna. Cannot be a real thing. I'm gonna find you a picture now of Smalt, the Bluetooth-enabled salt shaker. Are you gonna tell me that it tells you when to start and stop shaking? Smalt. Okay, you right. have used five percent of your daily recommended sodium. Okay, so so this thing, it, I want you to sit down and imagine you're you've been tasked with producing a smart I'm salt shaker. Should, should I stand up and sit back down again? Yeah, yeah, you should. Okay, I'm okay, sitting good. You are designing a salt shaker. Okay, that has to have smart in its name. <laughs> what are you going to do to the salt shaker? To make it justify its smartness. Well, I mean, this is quite a tall order because mm-hmm. a salt shaker I can it buy quite tall. for under a pound probably, <laughs> and it's just a container to put salt in with a <laughs> hole in it. I could probably make one out of an old, I don't know, camera film. Case. Your hand itself could be a salt shaker. <laughs> yes, exactly. I can. I could shake salt from my hand if I needed to. <laughs> it, it, you know, even the salt shaker itself is a is a nice to have, really. So how would I how would I incorporate the internet into this, or at least Bluetooth? I mean, if it played music, maybe if it maybe if it doubled as a as a music speaker, that that would be that would be sort of interesting, I suppose. It's funny you say that because that's all it does. Wait, what? It's a it's got a Bluetooth speaker in it. Oh right, <laughs> it's a salt shaker with a I Bluetooth mean, speaker in it. That is literally the only thing I could think of that you could even attempt to do with it. But why would you ever want to? Well, I didn't say there was a reason to. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but I guess you could shake salt along to your favourite salsa music. I'd like to garnish this little story with a quote from the Smalt blog. Okay. Don't call it Smalt either. <laughs> <laughs> the artful centrepiece has been around for centuries. Ancient Romans often decorated their grandiose tables with seasonal foliage and handmade ceramics. Mm, you know, class, classy ornaments that you might have on your dinner table that would in, impress your sophisticated guests. During the Middle Age, aristocrats would garnish their tables with pastries and marzipan moulded into the likeness of people for Christmas celebrations. Alright, bit weird, but okay. By the 18th century, centrepieces were made by setting detailed porcelain figures atop a mirror. These focal points were used to complement a meal while showing off the host's wealth. Mm, the host's exquisite tastes. So this, according to them, <laughs> smalt is the new centrepiece, <laughs> the new artful centrepiece, akin. <laughs> so we we put a Bluetooth speaker in a salt shaker, and that's the new thing now. Press everybody. It's like it. It looks like an evil. Wizard's Tower designed by Apple. I mean, how big is that? I can't really get a sense of scale. I don't know. I think it's... Why are you asking me how big something is and then I do it with my fingers? If it's it's like a foot high, that that will be kind of a... That will be an interesting centrepiece. That will be a talking point. If it's just like a little, you know, five centimetre (laughs) shaker... With a tiny little speaker in it. That's sitting next to your regular pepper pot. Nobody's really going to (sighs) care. Well, thank you, Smalt. We know what the next product is, by the way. Smelt. No, it will be. <laughs> it will be Smepper, of course. Smepper. <laughs> smart home means smart meets smart dining. World's first smart centerpiece designed exclusively for your indoor slash outdoor dining area. What other dining areas do you have? <laughs> the one inside the walls. <laughs> oh, it has lights as well. It changes different lights. Ooh. So it, it can go green and purple and all kinds of stuff. Gosh. It, may, it takes it t- takes salt shaking to a whole new level. Salting was never so much fun. Oh my god, it actually says <laughs> Measure, track, and control. Whether you want to dispense a pinch or a teaspoon, turn the dial or simply ask Alexa and wait for the magic to happen. Ask oh, Alexa? Oh yeah, did I forget to mention that? It's a home thing too. Uh, a, a home... Alexa, tell, <laughs> tell Smolt Salt Shaker... To, to open the salting <laughs> application. Alexa, deliver one teaspoon of salt, please. Ugh, it's the worst. Please stop putting internets of things in things. It's a bad idea. I mean, it, 
surely it's a joke product. No, it's real. But it, nobody. But they It can't be. It I, can't be real. I refuse. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. What happened to this timeline? What happened? The Internet of Things got stupider. That's it for the Internet of Things watch this week. Okay. I'm hoping... You're going to keep us posted. Oh, God. I could talk about this shit forever. <laughs> I really could. So I will. Yeah. Well, keep us, keep us posted if you uh, see anything more you know, stupid than that. Do you know that. what? If I see something that I think would be genuinely useful that has the Internet in it, I will mention it. Mm-hmm. I'm still searching. Yeah. I haven't found one yet. Yep. I know what you mean. Apart from my phone. It's one of those things that sounds great on paper and then you think, well, no, actually, it doesn't actually help <laughs> anything. I guess I guess that's what a lot of consumer products are all about, isn't it? It's about mm-hmm. selling you this, this dream. What utopian consumer products have you been consuming recently, Mark? Well, obviously in the future they have a lot of interesting consumer products. Futures where... All bigotry and and all money consumption of wealth has been uh, made obsolete. Professional segue. And warp travel is possible. I am, of course, talking about the the world of Star Trek. Oh, I love Star Trek, Mark. I lo- you know I'm such a big Star Trek fan. I, I like Star Trek. I as love well. Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm, I love the original Picard, series. I love Deep Space Nine. I even yeah. like a little bit of Voyager as well. I'm kind of looking forward to. I'm kind of looking forward to Discovery as well. It's mm, pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've read a bunch of Star Trek books too. Mm. Like a lot of. Uh, it's basically well, official fan fiction. Let's not forget the movies as well. Yeah, some of the movies are really good. Um, some of them are really bad as well. Um, I've played a lot of Star Trek games, so mm. I, I'm a pretty huge Star Trek fan. Unfortunately, so, uh, I'm not talking about any of those series. What? No, unfortunately, this is this is Mark's hot take on a, a series that was released over 12 years ago. <laughs> Um, but I've only just got round to watching because I knew it was going to be terrible. What are the Star Trek series out there? I am referring, referring, of course, to Star Trek Enterprise. <laughs> the 2004 uh, prequel to the original series. That should never have been made. It's set a hundred years before Kirk. Uh, at the dawn of uh, the Federation's... Space antics. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Federation has, doesn't exist yet. I prefer to think of it more as a space palaver. <laughs> it's an intergalactic fracas. <laughs> um, Cosmic gallop. <laughs> These are all board games <laughs> I wish existed. <laughs> totally sure. Yeah, Star Trek Enterprise. Um, it, I, I just watched it because it happened to be on Netflix and I, I just needed something to watch. Um, and especially because I've had a terrible man flu, I've had oh, to. Please ju- stop calling it that. Veg out in front of the sofa and watch something, you know, borderline entertaining. Well, I mean, as a huge Star Trek fan, I have, of course, tried to watch Enterprise more than once, yeah, actually. You, like you, you at least times. attempted to watch it when um, it was on. Yeah, well, I tried to watch it when it was on, I hated it. And I've tried to watch it three times since in my years. And. The latest time is the furthest I've got, and okay. it was about 14 episodes in, okay. and I had to stop watching, because I already... So that's the first, first series? Yeah. I I already had got to the point where I hated it, and that I didn't find it interesting, I wasn't intrigued by it at all, and then there was an episode that was just overtly transphobic, and I was just like, right, I have to make a decision now as to whether mm. I'm really interested in watching this anymore, why am I still watching it, because it has Star Trek in its name, fuck this show. And I just start watching it. Okay, so I, I, I'm I guessing the episode that you're talking about is... Uh, okay. It's so, Riser. So I should I should mention that I'm going to drop some spoilers. I'll try and not drop, like, you know, the, the, the big ones. But I think if you're going to watch it, just just go and watch it and then come back. And then we can compare if notes. You're gonna, if you're going to watch <laughs> if you're gonna watch Enterprise, you've already watched Enterprise. Yeah, I, I recommend you don't watch it because it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, if you have unfortunately already watched it uh, because you didn't know any better, then great, no spoilers here. But yeah, I I, I don't care by the way. No, I don't think anybody cares. But just just in case you 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 know you're like that about spoilers, I will probably mention things that could be considered spoilers, but in no way ruin uh, any any huge reveals or anything like that. Oh no! How could you ruin Enterprise? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I will. I don't. Know. 
<laughs> I don't know. So. Yeah, so so in Enterprise, um, Sam Beckett <laughs> had one too many leaps. <laughs> it ended up really far in the future. Oh, it is him, isn't it? Oh my god, you watched yeah, the whole show without realising. That. Realizing. Yeah. yeah, that was a bad leap for him, wasn't it? It was took ages. <laughs> So let's start with the theme tune. Oh right! So when I when Star Trek Enterprise first started, I was so excited for it, mm. and I watched the first episode when it came on. No, no, I tuned in for the first episode on Sky One the day the first episode came out, and it started. I got to the end of the theme tune and I switched it off because the theme tune of a Star Trek mm. kind of encapsulates the entire feel of the show. Yes, and I almost every single other one kind of makes you feel like in awe there's a kind of wonder and a majesty yeah. to it I would, all I would say the, the, the main things that characterize uh, a star trek theme tune uh up until that point have been uh like lo- lots of lots of swelling brass mm-hmm. lots of feelings of like pride and awe and grandeur grandeur yes yeah. that's a great word majesty a feeling of triumph over the the uh, over adversity, triumph over the, the the challenges of the universe, the unknowable endlessness of space itself. Going boldly, yeah, where no one has gone before. I mean, yeah, exactly. So, what did Enterprise go with, Mark? Well, they went with a a shit power <laughs> ballad. Is it, how I would describe it. It always just reminded me of Aerosmith. Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. That kind of Nickelback. God, type. I just don't want it anywhere near my Star Trek. <laughs> Nowhere near it. Get it away. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the, I guess for you, this is where you will edit in the, um, the the music or a bit of it. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time. But my time is finally near And I will see my dream come alive at last I will touch the sky And they're not gonna hold me down no more No, they're not gonna change my mind Cause I've got faith of the heart Yeah, the theme tune is kind of, um, it's it sort of, well, I mean, it has lyrics for a start. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and it's, it's a song all about, um... I have faith that this will play well with American audiences yeah, it's all about of the early 2000s. If I just believe in myself, I can make a starship and fly to the... <sighs> other stars. I and, can make a starship that looks man, more futuristic than in the 60s show. And the man's not going to hold me down anymore. <laughs> He's not going to. I'm going to... He can't tell me what to do. I'm going to make that spaceship. That's the only reason why I haven't made it already. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that's the... <laughs> So honestly, that that sums up the show for me. But but beyond that, <laughs> the thing is, I don't think that I don't think it even fits the show at all. I mean, it, 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 that song would no, have no, its no. place, it, and it, it's you know, I, I might even go as far as to say that it it might it might sound good on on a particular kind of show, but it just, it just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit Star Trek at all. I mean, it, it it perfectly encapsulates Enterprise for me because Enterprise was trying to. Be for the audience of the time that all the shows were getting at that time in the early two thousands. It was trying to appeal to as many people as possible, not to people who might be interested in watching a Star Trek. Mm. I mean, I can yeah, I can understand that. One of the things that really shows that for me 
it's the way it's the way enterprise has forgotten every single bit of its history and for some reason treats women especially to Paul like absolute fucking shit the first episode opens with to Paul a sexy vulcan lady having a shower yes so yeah in the first in like the pilot episode in the um and it's like i think it's like a two parter yeah they they have this um like decontamination quarantine type thing and it it they use it multiple times throughout the the series as as an excuse to just have the characters half naked, um, rubbing each other with this medical gel. It's it's like Kira and Dax never existed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but the, the two women characters from Deep Space Nine who were fully fleshed out, fully w- realized characters who were women, and they were brilliant characters, and they never really felt like they were abused in any way, or or that they were there for anyone other than themselves. Amazing characters. From the Star Trek series, like, almost a decade before Enterprise? Maybe a little bit later than that, actually. But still. Yeah, um, Kira and Dax, yeah, they were brilliant characters. Enterprise has has basically two two female protagonists. Um, Hoshi and Tapal. Isn't it Tapal? Tapal. Tapal. It has an O in it. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen it written down. And yeah, they they are not they're not realised kind of independent female characters in in the same way. They're just not very well written characters. Basically. I mean, to to be honest, I don't think any of the characters really are right. Mm. I mean, I, I think that all of those characters you can write out their description in a single sentence. Yes, yes, and absolutely. In fact, a lot of the male characters are just uh, uh, in the first few episodes. I couldn't tell them apart. I got mm-hmm. confused as to who was who. The only difference between them is their accents. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it just so happens that for the women, one of the set, one of the words in that character description sentence happens to be woman. <laughs> yes. And that is a defining part of their character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought I thought the the characters and just the, the whole the, the stories in general were quite clumsily written mm-hmm. in the sense that they just they just felt like the writers had phoned it in a lot a lot of the time and there were just like lines of dialogue and plot points that just felt like they'd been thrown in there because that that's the done thing and they were just kind of fitting with a trope rather than actually thinking about what they were trying to say or the message they were trying to get across and yeah that I mean that become that became apparent with the with the characters and a lot of lines of dialogue could have just been said by any any one of the characters, and it wouldn't have, wouldn't have mattered. Mm-hmm. Well, like an example of that was the, there was an episode where um, there was a, there was a, a scientist lady um, on a kind of pre warp civilization planet. So it was basically like the Victorian era, but on another planet. And there's a line. There was a line that the there's a, the Doctor character says. To I think it's he think he says it to to Paul. So it's the two the two alien characters talking to each other, mm-hmm. and the Doctor says that oh this this lady is brilliant. If she'd been born on Earth, she would have been a great scientist. So what? She isn't a great scientist because she wasn't born on Earth, Mister Alien. What? what? This this was exactly that, that that line. When you think about it, it makes no sense in that <laughs> he, context. He spent the whole series explaining how he is an amazing alien physician, and then starts saying this person would only have been good if they were human. Well, yeah. I mean, the uh, the point he's trying to make the the, the point that the writers are trying to make is that. The carrot the, the the lady um had she had access to all of the modern day science stuff on Earth is that she she would have made great use of it I suppose but an alien character would never put that in that way but no this is this is two aliens talking about an alien and they they bring Earth into it it, <laughs> it just makes no it makes no sense and it's a line entirely for the the, the benefit of the viewer. Yeah. And in a way that's glaringly obvious. I mean, that just, sort of you... thing just takes you out of it immediately, right? Yeah, it's 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 the line. It's a line where if you stop and think, even for two seconds, it, it's garbage. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of stuff like that. So going back to that episode that you said that, that was the reason you stopped watching it, the riser episode. The riser. I thought I yeah, I wasn't sure, but I th- I I realise now that yeah yeah that I can understand your objections to that episode. 
Because, I mean, previously in other Star Trek episodes, Riser has just been... It's the kind of holiday planet, yeah. isn't it? It's the, it's the fun planet. It's the tropical paradise planet where they, they always have an episode on that planet. Yeah. Because, you know, it's an excuse to have the characters in swimwear. But there's always, you know, there's always an intellectual storyline behind it. You know, there's a really good one in Next Generation yeah. with Picard. There's one, there's one in that with with Picard in, it and, he, and he's he's on holiday, mm-hmm. but he he just can't help doing saving the world. Yeah. And there's like this archaeologist lady that he meets. Yeah, and... he does a bit of archaeology while he's yeah. down on Riser. It's... You know, because he he's the thinking man's captain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do they do? With Enterprise, they have like the two the two lads the two lad characters yeah. lads on tour. going on a lads on tour <laughs> holiday on Riser. And yeah, there's this just really unfortunate plot about them them being hustled by by a couple of alien criminals who who are disguised as women and aren't women in fact. But before it gets to that that point in the story, there's kind of this foreshadowing where they, you can they call it that. Yeah, they just they just make these kind of gross comments about 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 the the aliens around them and and trying to speculate about whether they're men or women, and it it just comes across as really anachronistically gross and insensitive, even for the time. Yeah, in my opinion. yeah, and and I mean anachronistically in the sense of this was two thousand four. Not that the Deep... writers should have known better. Not that Deep Space Nine got away with it. There's an episode in Deep Space Nine in which Quark dresses up as a woman, and that's the entire episode, and it's all a joke. Yeah, that's one of the most offensive bits of all of Star Trek. Character in drag. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty gross. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a it's a Ferengi episode, so it's going to be gross. <laughs> Yeah, again, just clumsy writing. Mm-hmm. Like they could have just not put that one line in, and it wouldn't have been half as bad. The because, entire show because fit. there was another episode earlier on in the series, which I I initially thought I I initially thought that was the episode you were referring to because there's an episode where one of the male characters gets pregnant because of alien species intercourse, and you know that's the whole hilarity of the episode. Oh, a, a male getting pregnant! What crazy! Out of this world, space goof is this, and and then there's a line right at the end of the episode where they say, "Oh, you you may have been the the only male human to be pregnant," which and isn't true. That yeah, that isn't that isn't true <laughs> because transgender people exist. And on the flip side, I know I've just given it shit, but there's a line in Deep Space Nine where. Captain Cisco is talking to one of his people, and they're just talking about like gossip around the ship, and and he happens to say like. Oh, Ensign such and such is pregnant, and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe it! That's awesome. When is he due?" And things like that. And mm. it's just a tiny throwaway conversation that makes male pregnancy canon in the Star Trek universe, and they play it off like it's completely normal and yeah. it's totally out of the ordinary. There's no joke there or nothing. It's just a side thing, and that's really cool. That's a nice little <laughs> because, bit of in-universe. Because like that's the amount of of kind of thinking about it that it that it needs. Yes, yeah. it's just like oh. Yeah, I guess that is a thing that could happen. And oh, okay, it doesn't. It doesn't need an entire episode going. But what if a man got pregnant? <laughs> what would that be like? A man would have a bum. Because it'd be incredibly boring. <laughs> it turns yeah, out exactly. Which brings me to another point. It's like all other pregnancies, except you've got a bit more stubble. Star Trek Enterprise is boring. <laughs> I mean, like, really I've never, I never really thought that Star Trek in general was particularly exciting. It's, it's always been more about. It's more cerebral. Just being taken along on this nice, you know, sort of relaxed journey through a moral issue or, you know, something that makes you think about our current politics and economics and, and, you know, social issues. It just kind of takes you by the hand and takes you on this journey of, of, you know, thinking about things with a little bit of drama and, you know, somebody might shoot a phaser every now and again. (laughs) Whereas this... This was just plain boring, and it tried it tried to throw in firefights into every episode. In fact, it did. in the I think it's the third series, they introduce like this specialist combat squad who are just like completely nameless characters. Well, probably not nameless; they probably have names in the series, but there are characters that you that you never they're never you know major plot points in a story or anything like that. They're just they're just characters on the side, but they exist purely to increase the amount of. 
uh, crossfire in each episode <laughs> because they're just the people that get drafted in to do the shooting in the middle of the episode. God, it's like security team to deck five. Yes, yes, this. it's exactly they're like in that. Spaceships. Yes, it's like the um, it's like in in Babylon uh, five. <laughs> When they, yeah, exactly. They have like a special team to just increase the um, increase the violence in this episode. Yeah, the, it, it, even with them having done that, it was still boring because I don't know. Well, I mean, the thing about action is action is only ever good if there are stakes and the yes. viewer cares about those stakes. Yes. You have to be invested in what's going on. And if you're not invested in the characters to begin with, the situation, I mean, what even is the situation in Enterprise? (laughs) They're just having a romp, aren't they? What's the deal? You you could say the same thing about about, uh, Next Generation. They're just just flying around the universe having a a bit of a laugh. In the the Next Generation, they're primarily an exploration thing, but they always... I mean, they're often like doing something like they're often shipping a an ambassador from one planet to another, yeah. or they're investigating some um, distress signal or whatever. Mm. In Enterprise, it just feels like they're just seeing what beehives they can poke. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of in theory, it's the same kind of thing. They're just flying around exploring, but it just seemed to like the the story arc seemed to have no consequence, or mm-hmm. they didn't seem to kind of. They didn't seem to uh, like raise a, an interesting issue and kind of you know circle around it and then and then leave it open for to interpretation or you know leave you thinking about it. It always just seems to be very kind of cut and dry. Like here's a thing. Oh, here's oh, here's the here's the resolution. I mean, I'm not articul- articulating this particularly well, but yeah, it, it just seems to be something missing from from each and every storyline. Uh-huh. Um, there were stories that felt very very done already not just in star trek but in every other series ever and in some cases they were they were storylines lifted entirely from a previous episode yeah i mean that's i forgive that i mean i think that's, that's something that, that voyage did a lot yeah. i didn't realize at the time because i watched voyage before i watched next generation but having watched next generation i've realized that a lot of voyage episodes were just let's do this entire episode again but with these characters instead mm-hmm but Enterprise did an episode that Voyager did. Like, he redid an episode that Voyager did. And Voyager probably got it from some other series previously. Which one? It was the episode where... The, the episode in Voyager where Seven of Nine is hallucinating. She's trying to look after the ship on her own. And she's hallucinating that the characters are waking up out of stasis and, and, and stuff like that. Oh, is that the one where she's, like, becoming different people? Or is that a different episode? That's a different episode. Okay. It's an episode where, where they, they all the crew have to go into stasis, and Seven Nine has to look after them, and the and the uh, the the stress in doing all that starts to affect her, and she starts seeing things, and she's not sure what's real. And... I don't remember that. Yeah, it wasn't particularly. I mean, it was interesting, but I suppose it was a forgettable episode. Yeah, yeah. But Enterprise did exactly the same thing. They had they had they had the Doctor uh, looking after the ship while all the crew were in stasis, yeah. and they, he kept hallucinating them coming out of stasis, and and. The only way it could be more obvious is if it, if it was to Paul instead. Yeah, it was just it was just exactly the same. Space madness. I was, you know, I thought at the end maybe they might have a different twist, but no, the twist was like that. <laughs> there was um, so Star Trek has has a history of of casting the same actors for different yep. characters. It does, um, and this series is no exception. A lot of the characters from previous uh, series. Reappear for cameos. Uh, I spotted Odo as a as a character. Rene Abujanu. I actually don't know how to pronounce his surname. Uh, I feel really bad about that because I keep seeing him in shows recently, and I keep right. going, "Oh, it's Rene's Odo." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just the Odo guy. Uh, yeah, he he plays an episode as an old man. I can't remember. It's because he is an old man. Yeah, exactly. He always was playing himself. <laughs> and oh, there, there was um, there's an episode with Data in it. Brent Spiner. But I think I think by the end of the episode, they've kind of established that he is the professor who creates Doctor Noonien's. Yeah. No, no, uh, Doctor um, Sung. But the guy who creates Data. Yeah, it's Doctor Sung. I think. I think it turns out to be him. Because throughout the whole thing, that's thinking, fine. Throughout the whole thing, I was thinking, well, I mean, this is obviously the guy who plays Data, like just in no makeup. <laughs> the... <laughs> What's going on here? Well, Brent, Brent Spiner plays that character in Next Generation as well. True. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fine. But yeah, it, I think I mean I'm not entirely sure. I think 
What it was saying at the end is that it was that it was supposed to be him. What did he just have a a scene right at the end where he looks wistfully into the distance, going, "I have an idea for an android that is with a positronic brain." Apart from the positronic brain part, that is more or less exactly what it says. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just you know it just kind of fades out the end of the episode and going, mm, "Maybe I could make a robot." And that's the lampshade so big, it's just hitting you in the face. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also. <laughs> There's a there's a major character in in this a major like recurring character in Enterprise who is transparently obviously the same guy as plays the Dominion guy in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, you're talking about Jeffrey Coombs. Yes, which is okay because Jeffrey Coombs is an amazing actor. I don't mind that. I'm not saying he's not a good actor. He's a great actor, but he just appears in an episode in blue makeup. Yeah, he's an Andorian. And you think, oh, he seems a bit familiar. And then you think, oh yeah, it's that guy. They've, they've, he's re- been recast for this cameo, but no, it's not a cameo. He's, he's just a recurring character. It, in fact, he has a very similar role to his role in Deep Space Nine. Yeah, and he has it's... the same. He has, you know, his, his voice is very distinctive. Yeah, it's it's just really obvious, and I, I it just baffles me how they could make that decision. I mean, the really funny part about that is that Jeffrey Coombs plays two recurring characters in Deep Space Nine. Oh, right. He plays. Weyoun, mm. the one you're talking about. And he also plays Brunt, who's a Ferengi. Right. Who's always trying to go after Quark's business. Right, but there's sufficient... Yes, I remember that. Right. But there's sufficient makeup there this is my, not real. This is my point. Yeah. Like, he puts on a different voice. Yeah. They have different makeup. Yeah. And, and a lot of the time, if you're not looking at the cast list, you'll be forgiven for not realising it's the same dude. Yeah. And here, they're just like... What if you were waiting for blue? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I thought that was lazy. Lazy either writing or casting or something, but just laziness <laughs> from, from someone. So there were four series. They didn't, they didn't make it to a fifth series. Um, I think they were planning to. Right. I, the, you know the the big arc that happens in the four series? Yes. That was supposed to be a lot longer. Did you see it? I didn't see it, no, but I've read enough about it. Okay. Um. Okay. And it just just kind of they did they just spin through it really really quickly, mm-hmm. and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be a big old thing, but they just got cancelled halfway through, and so right. they're like, "Fuck." Yeah, I don't remember there being much of an arc in the fourth series. I mean, there was definitely an uh, a long arc in the third series that kind of that kind of took the whole of the, of the series. The fourth series, I don't think there was really. I think there seems to be just lots of individual stories, and then there was kind of the Klingons in the fourth series. I I can't remember because I've not seen the whole. I've not really seen it, but I've read enough about it. You know, if there was, I can't remember. It was just that forgettable. I mean, there was there was kind of a two part thing at the end, just before the that was kind of the finale, and then there was you know they always have like a post finale finale to actually round things off. But yeah, in the in the third series. If you thought the theme tune couldn't get any worse, oh god! They remix it. I have never heard it. They they take a bad choice of music mm-hmm. and they make it worse. It's been a long, long what the fuck? They've just like changed the bass. It's been a long time. <laughs> what the? Lyrics are for a different song. There's just nothing there. There's no power behind it. There's nothing. It's flat as fuck. Also, you might have noticed this, but the, the so it's exactly the same uh, recording as the, as the singer. Yeah. Likewise, well, to me, it's for a different song. But they've left the breaths in, and it sounds really weird. Really? Two sex. Let me just thumbs down on that one too. <laughs> Thanks, YouTube. What do you think? <laughs> so they all, all they've done there is they've taken the vocals from the original song, 
They've made a new song, totally inappropriate for those vocals. I mean, it's the same they've, song. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they've 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 like redone all the all the instruments. They've just added it's, a, it's know, all kind of a upbeat, fun, a fun jangly guitar. Yeah, and they've riff. they've they've made the bass like really slappy and. And it's flat. It's so flat. At least the other one kind of is a little bit like, you know, like Aerosmith. I've always said it reminds me of Aerosmith because it's kind of like... Yeah, it's, it's, da, it's powerful. Da, da, da. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, rem- reminiscent of, of, you know, the accomplishments of, of human beings. And this one's just like, got another season of Enterprise. This, it's as bad as the previous one. It's, it sounds like a it sounds like a soap or a, <laughs> yeah. you know, a TV drama or Neighbours. I mean, I suppose it is a TV drama, but yeah, it sounds like it sounds like Neighbours or a Heartbeat or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they did that. But they made it worse. Do you know what had a good revision of its theme tune? Farscape. Go watch Farscape. <laughs> We talked about Farscape. We have. We should talk about. Farscape. We had an a whole e- we had an whole episode about Farscape early on. I'm afraid. In the first and second series, there is the overarching plot. The overarching plot is about a temporal cold war. I've always loved that phrase. Which is, I think, it's probably about as boring as you can make time travel. Yeah. I I love stories about time travel. Will they fight? Won't they fight? No. But this this was not good. Every so often a character would appear who was from the future and basically he was, he just became like the, the deus ex machina all the time. Just like, oh no, we're all dying. Oh, but I've come to save this timeline so you, it's all fine. They did that about six times in Voyager, I think. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they kept being shown bits of the future and it's like, oh, but no, this future will be rewritten. And it made no sense. And the thing is that to Paul, the Vulcan character, was supposed to be like really sceptical about whether time travel was possible and whether this was really a time traveller. So you think all the time you're thinking, oh, okay, so this is going to turn out to be, you know, some more clever plot to trick them into thinking that this was this was time travel. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was, yeah, it, of course not. It was time travel. They were just using to Paul to lampshade the fact that none of the time time travel plot devices made any sense because she'd say things like if this was a real time traveler why wouldn't he have just come back earlier and stopped this from happening she's right why, why wouldn't they and have the, the protagonist will go well you know who Wibbly knows wobbly but, timey but it seems like time travel to me and you just think oh okay well that's going to turn out to be not a real thing but no they're just they're just kind of skirting around their own plot points if i remember isn't there a bit in deep space nine where um o'brien and Doctor... Uh, the Doctor from DS9. Yeah. Doctor Indian Guy, Doctor Bashir. Doctor Bashir. So isn't there a bit in Deep Space Nine where O'Brien and Bashir, um, they do a time travel thing and they like they like question a part of the time travel thing and they just look at each other and just go, nah, don't think about it, basically. <laughs> they just go, don't, just don't. Probably. And they make it a joke. Um, they do. They and do I, a, I really like that. Yeah, they do a thing like that in in Voyager as well. There's an episode where um, Kim Ensign Kim uh, from the future goes back in time and stops the thing from happening. Yeah, that is and one it, of my favorite episodes. It's it's quite a good episode, but it kind of rewrites the timeline. And there's like a scene right at the end where he's he's kind of sitting in his quarters talking to Janeway about it, basically saying. Captain Janeway, this was all really weird. And if I if I went back and changed the past, wouldn't that cause a paradox? And how does that even work? She just and pats him on the head. Yeah, Janeway basically <laughs> just goes, I don't know. Time travel's weird like that. Let's go get some coffee. <laughs> Try not to think about it too much. She's basically don't like, worry your pretty little head, ends Yeah, exactly. It's like the Austin Powers approach to time travel. <laughs> just try not to think about it too much and have some fun. <laughs> Just remember, it's just a show. I should really just relax. <laughs> so yeah, um, that that's that's my hot take on uh, Star Trek Enterprise. What would you give Star Trek Enterprise out of ten? Well, so I I thought it was it wasn't very good, but it was it was just about Star Trek enough to hold my attention. Like, in the absence of any other Star Trek to watch, I found myself watching it. I I have the opposite 
opinion because I feel like it retroactively makes Star Trek worse. Right, okay. It's sort of... I don't know what it's done to the canon. It's probably ruined the canon somehow. Oh, in plenty of places. Um, it, yeah, because there's just there's just lots of times where they go, oh, yeah, we're this is the time before Kirk, don't you know? The Borg are in it. Yes, the Borg are in it. That's all but, you need to know. In fairness, that is because of Picard's antics in First Contact. Fine. Um, but there's, there's lots of other things where... Like, there's a technology that doesn't exist yet because it's all... They keep reiterating, it's 100 years before Kirk, you know. We've only just invented warp travel. And then that technology will, will appear for, mm-hmm. for some reason, because they've got to get it in for some reason. The teleporter's in it. Plus, yes, uh, the, there's the whole... There's, like, a whole thing about, oh, nobody dares use the transporter because it's new technology. There's a, there's a There was a pretty... An episode that was sort of interesting in the middle... And had a really disappointing ending, um, because because Hoshi goes in the in the transporter and then starts having you know these weird things start happening to her like she starts going transparent and oh no my molecules what's it done to me <laughs> my molecules what's happened to my molecules <laughs> um, and then at the end of the episode it just turns out that it was all a dream basically. <laughs> It's like the laziest ending anyone can ever write oh, to anything. Gosh. It was all a dream. Um, that was a terrible episode. Um, oh, another another episode that could have been good. So in Star Trek, they always have like a like an evil universe kind yes. of episode, don't they? In fact, there's a whole raft of them in DS Nine. Yeah, yeah. In DS Nine, there's a whole. There's like one in every series. Yeah, it's the mirror universe. As they the call mirror it. universe, yeah, with all of the uh, mirror characters. Yeah, it started in the original series. Did it? Yeah, with an evil spark with a goatee. Ah, uh, cool. Um, That's where that comes from, you know. That trope, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the goatee on an evil. Oh, okay. It's like an evil counterpart. But it's the the nice thing that they're doing DS Nine is that those those evil characters in the mirror universe are visited by the characters in the regular universe. And yeah. they kind of meet each other. And it's all about the interesting, you know, comparisons it's between... the juxtaposition. Yeah, it's the juxtaposition yeah. between, the, you know, the good characters and their evil counterparts. And, you know, what did they do differently in their lives that led yeah. them down these paths? Well, well the, 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 dif- the difference is, is that one is them living in this utopian universe mm. and the other is them living in this horrible fascist oppressive universe and the implications that has on these characters. In Star Trek Enterprise, they have a two-part episode okay. where there's, there's like a cold open and it's like it's clear that they're evil versions of themselves because they like torturing someone. And then it, it goes to the opening credits and they've changed all the opening credits to be like an alternative history of Earth where they're just like gunning down, it's like fighter planes and there's wars happening, there's nuclear explosions. And, and what's the theme? The theme? Yeah. Oh, it's, um, I can't remember. It's But it, it is different. It's some like militarised version of, of the regular theme tune. I, I quite think. like that. Yeah, that it's, not quite... very, it's not very well done though. Okay, um, I like that as a concept, let's say. And the whole the whole premise of the episode is that it's an alternative timeline where when first contact happened, instead of like greeting the Vulcans, <laughs> they, shot at them. they just shot at them, <laughs> yeah. and then you know, it, they, and from then on, humanity just became this like this aggressive, violent race bent on destroying the Terran the whole, Empire. The whole, yeah, the Terran yeah. Empire bent on destroying the galaxy, and then it has this it has this two part episode where it, you know it, it just shows this kind of ongoing series of of them doing bad things, you know, out of character bad things, you know, these bad people doing bad things to each other, stabbing each other in the back, figuratively and literally, mm-hmm. acting immorally. And about half an hour into this, you think, oh, well, I mean, this is this is interesting, but what's the, what's the point here? I'm kind of, I get it now. It's just the evil versions of them. I'm kind of sick of watching this now. I don't really care what happens to them either way, because I have no investment in these characters at all. Please don't tell me they don't well, tie it into the original universe at all. And about halfway, it must have been the second part of this two-part episode, in fact, they find a ship that, is, that has come from a different timeline, from a different alternate universe. And you think, oh, right, here we go. This is where they're going to meet their counterparts. Mm-hmm. They stumble across the Kirk's Enterprise. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Where everybody's dead. What? 
Yes. And there's no there's no crew anymore. Wait, sorry. You, okay. The crew so Enterprise from their timeline come from the come to the past, or no, no, no. from the prime timeline the, the, that has gone into the past and in I, a different see, universe. I don't, I'm not even sure on this. It, <laughs> it might be like a reference to a previous episode or something that I don't know from from the original series or something. But it seemed it seemed what I got the impression that it was it was Kirk's Enterprise from the prime timeline that had gone back in time and everyone had died for some reason. They just saw this curveball. Where I'm it's just like, shaking my head at this point. Where it's like they've obviously set it up so you think, oh, they're going to meet their counterparts, and then no, they just find this ship, and then then they just put on all of the coloured blazers that they find on the ship, and then go about further blowing everybody up and and conquering the galaxy because now they've got this this ship from a hundred years in the future, which is all you know way more powerful than anyone else has, and so it just becomes about. Um, Holy shit! The Enterprise oh. captain just going on a rampage. So Enterprise doesn't just fuck with the canon of the Prime Universe; it fucks with the canon of the Mirror Universe. It would seem so, yeah. What on? And, and in doing so, has the viewer watch a two-part episode that is just a series of bad things happening, and that's it. Wow! So even the the even fucked up Mirror Universe episodes. <laughs> yes, yes, they did. That seems so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> it's really difficult, and they did it. Yeah. Congrats, guys! You did it. Thumbs up. So yeah, that's that, that's all of the bad things I had to say about it. I mean, it was it was okay. It was just about watchable, but I think calling it Star Trek was a bit of a stretch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it had it felt Star Trekky in bits, but it it was easily the worst Star Trek series I've ever seen. How about real life space, though, Matt? Yes. So the other spacey thing. That I've been watching recently. We're a very space-heavy episode. Yeah. This episode. I mean, there is a rocket ship on the logo, so it seems fair enough to me. Yeah, it's all it's all fair game. I the description of the rainbow drops that I the rainbow drops. <laughs> the description. Just of, call it rainbow drops. It's it's cleaner. Oh, okay, fair enough. I didn't even think about that. The description of rainbow drops is always a sci-fi and geek interest podcast, uh-huh. but we spend such. Small amount of time talking about sci-fi. I'm glad that we're doing some space things. Yeah. But we're not even here to talk about fi. It's just the sci <laughs> it's bit. It's just sci. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I have discovered a brilliant YouTube channel, which probably probably lots of people already know about. I'm probably very late to the party. But it's called PBS Space Time. It's by PBS, obviously. And it's all about cosmology and space mm-hmm. physics and stuff. And it's a bajillion of these videos. Mm-hmm. And they are really cool. They are entertaining and they go into a lot of depth. And I I thought I knew all about black holes. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not a physicist. Uh, I didn't study physics. But I, I, I've kind of read a lot of pop science and stuff about black holes and things. Because they, they fascinate me. And I, I thought I understood them. But no, no, I watched I watched one of these videos and it, they, they kindly, you know, informed me how wrong I was about, about everything. Now... I watched a few episodes of PBS Space Time from you suggesting it, mm-hmm. and my general opinion of PBS Space Time, if I don't watch more than a few, actually, I watch quite a lot of them, is that it is denser than a supermassive black hole. Oh, yeah. Referencing a black hole again. See how I did that? Yeah. That's quite cool and professional. Yes, yeah. And to the point where I got very little out of it, I watched a lot of it. Like, I probably watched a couple of hours worth of this show, uh-huh. and I didn't remember any of it. I'm quite a... And, you know, I don't know a huge amount about cosmology, uh-huh. but I'm, like, a bit of an armchair astronomer Yeah, yeah in you're the definitely way. interested in it. Yeah, like, like, more than interested. I have to sit there and read Wikipedia articles all day about it. They, they, but, are, they are dense with information. The, the, it, the host talks very, very quickly. Yeah. Especially the first talk. They, they change hosts uh, partway mm-hmm. through. Yeah, and I think, it, I think it expects a certain level of understanding of physics... To really get the most out of it. But there's no breathing room at all. It's just constant. Just throwing things at you. Yeah. Constantly. You don't get any chance to do anything. At least when I'm reading a Wikipedia article. Yeah. I can go down my wiki hole at my own rate. And this thing... I don't think there is anybody who could who could pick anything up from it. It felt like science videos to educate the choir that was already right. scienced up. Well, I suppose... <laughs> Probably to some degree it is. It's probably aimed at people who have studied physics and also have a kind of casual interest mm-hmm. in it. 
it just kind of poses a lot of brain teasers and things that you could only really appreciate if you if you were following the physics, I suppose. I mean, I I, I really enjoyed it, and I yeah. It, again, I not not that I don't understand anything about physics really, but I found that the the stuff that went over my head was over quickly. And the stuff that really grabbed my interest, I I found fascinating, and I you know I watched if I watched the video two or three times, it, it kind of really th- then I could really get my head around it. Yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. I also thought the graphics were very good. Like oh yeah, it's really it's really flashy and uh... well, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the illustrations were very very accessible. I just don't feel like it had any real practical educational benefit for me. Because of how dense it was, and I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if it was the host or whatever, but sometimes it felt like it was talking to me about things that were just crazy concepts, as if I already knew about them all, all, all the time, right. and 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 in such a way that was just like, yes, yeah, so, you know, this is that this is about that thing that you totally know about. <laughs> Did you start watching them from the first video? No. Well, that that might be. That might be the problem. See, I started watching them from video one, and I watched them sequentially. Okay. And they do kind of build on each other. There's lots of episodes where they say, now, go and watch these five videos that we made previously, <laughs> because otherwise it's not going to make sense. Yeah, I definitely recommend watching them from the start. Some of the very early videos are kind of goofy. Like, there's one about what must the density of the moon in uh, Majora's Mask be. What the fuck? For it to make sense, that it's like, oh, well, actually, it must be a black hole. And it's like, okay. Who cares about that? Yeah, it just kind of felt like they were shoehorning in a Nintendo property to make it <laughs> What do the more. kids like? But I think at some point they realised that that wasn't necessary to, to, to be interesting, which was which was a good thing. But yeah, the, the stuff on black holes, it just blew me away. Okay, here's your, here's your quiz on black holes, right? Did you know that black holes don't suck things in? Yes. In fact, basically, time slows down the closer you get to a black hole. They don't suck things in; they just have an intensely strong gravitational pull because of their density. And, well, and the closer see, even, you, even that depends. The gravitational pull. Yeah, it's not that strong. You have to be quite close to it. I know that much. Well, it depends on the size of the black hole, apparently. All oh, right. The small black holes have a much stronger tidal force, and so mm-hmm. they're, they're the ones that will spaghettify you. Yeah. Before you even reach them. But the the, the big, super the, massive ones. Yeah. The the bigger they are, the less spaghettification happens. Yeah. You you could you could pass into those and not feel anything. But but isn't it because time um it has more of an effect on time rather than space, and so time slows down. So when you're falling into a black hole, at some point you just Fall forever, <laughs> isn't that right? Because um, so that was sort of my understanding of it before before I watched a video about it. Yeah, so because of because of time di- as I understood it as I understood it before I watched it because of time dilation, clocks from an ounce somebody watching somebody watching a clock falling into a black hole yes. would see the clock tick slower and slower and slower mm-hmm. as it as it approached. The black hole to the point where it would just seem to stop because it's effectively taking infinite time to reach the black hole, and that sort of is the case. But from the perspective of, of the the objects falling into the black hole, they just fall into the black hole. There, and the weird thing about that is that from an outside observer's perspective, they never reach the black hole. Yeah, like they never reach it. There is no point in time where they are in the black hole. But it's not like... That event does not exist. It's not like the object that has fallen into the black hole can see out of the black hole. Because not, not, light, doesn't, light does not escape a black hole, so it's not like you can see anything anyway, right? That's, that's correct. It just gets blacker and blacker until you see nothing and you just fall. Well, I mean, it's, it's difficult at that point to even... You can't really conceive it because yeah, it's, the perception of time like is Like, not... talking about what you can see and what you can't see and yeah. what can escape and what can't, so it's really difficult to ascertain even what any of that means at that point. Because apparently, apparently space-time is so distorted inside of the black hole that, in the video they describe it as the geometry of space-time there is such that there is no concept of facing outwards. Mm-hmm. No, it, like no matter which way you turn, you're always facing into the black hole. It's, so it's like there isn't even a concept of escaping it. Yeah, it's not even just the strength of the gravity. It's like there is no, there is no out. Like the space has no direction. Yeah, yeah. Or if it does, it's an inward direction. 
it's one of those things where the more you know about it, yeah. the more spooky and scary it is. Yeah, the, the the more the more you understand about something, the more you can appreciate just how bizarre it is and how wondrous it is, how mm. wonderful it is. It's one of those things like people say that truth is far stranger than fiction. It's true. And you know, people who 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 are scientists or, or you know, like really enjoy science, they're always saying like science gives me a because I can appreciate it makes me appreciate the world so much more. And it creates a sense of wonder that I just don't get from, you know, make-believe or, you know, uh, just 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 believing in things that there's no evidence for. And, like, never have I had that feeling more than, than with black holes. The more I learn about them, the more I just think, that shit is crazy. And it absolutely fascinates me. I think, I think one of the main things is that you have absolutely no frame of reference for even the basic concepts of what is going on there. Yeah. Nothing in in your reality at all it's, bears any resemblance to anything that happens there. Yeah, it's right at the limits of our understanding of reality itself. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's like having a thing right there in front of you that just that just defies all defies, understanding. Yeah, it defies everything that you can even conceive. I love it. So PBS Space Time, it's a very good yeah, YouTube channel it's, it's, to, to, to be in awe at things that you'll never understand. Yeah, I, I, if you're in, if into cosmology and physics and, you know, dark energy and quantum mechanics and all of that yummy stuff, I highly recommend it. If I start from really. the start, can I skip, like, the dumb videos about Majora's Mask? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the one about uh, doing a barrel roll in uh, Star Fox. <laughs> For God's sake. That was kind of interesting. Uh, we got anything else to talk about? Um, unfortunately, Mark, we're out of time here. Oh, we're, we're out of time. Drops. We are out of time oh. for another week of the Dripper Drops. The Dripty Dropty Dropsy Drips. Well, I've been Mark. And I've been Fiona. I hadn't mentioned that at the start of no, the episode. That's what I, thought we should mention I totally it. forgot it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm hi everyone, I'm Fiona and I, and this is Mark. Welcome to Rainbow Drops. Hey Mark, do you know what my favourite theme tune is? Thank you.